Welcome to the Gap Church Podcast, where we're filling the gap through freedom and the truth. Please enjoy this week's message. Alive and well. Congratulations, you made it. Congratulations. Amen, amen, amen. Like we did say, short time, but a lot to unpack. Yes. So we're going to dive right into it. By the grace of God. So take your Bibles out or your cell phones out, and we're going to go right into the book of Numbers, chapter 22. How many people remember a message or two in 20, that we've preached this year? Have you been impacted by the grace of God this year? Yes. Hallelujah. Okay. Amen. So our text today is actually Numbers, chapter 22, Numbers, chapter 23, and Numbers, where's my key? Please don't run away. <laughs> And Numbers chapter 24. Um, but for the sake of time, we're just going to focus on Numbers chapter 22. But tell your neighbor, study the rest at home. Good. Go ahead and bookmark it right now so you don't forget. What was it, the scripture that I was supposed yeah. to read? Yes. Numbers. Um, we're just going to read a couple of verses and then we'll dive right in and uh, explain as the Holy Spirit gives us utterance. Verse 1, then the children of Israel moved and camped in the plains of Moab and the side of the Jordan across from Jericho. Now Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites and Moab and was exceedingly afraid of the people because there were many. And Moab was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. So Moab said to the elders of Midian, now this company will lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. Then he sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor, at Pether, which is near the river in the land of the sons of his people, to call him, saying, Look, a people from Egypt, a people has come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth and are settling next to me. Therefore, please come at once, curse this people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. So the elders of Moab, I'm going to read verse 10 and stop there. So the elders of Moab and elders of Midian departed from the diviner's fee with the diviner's fee in their hand, and they came to Balaam and spoke to him the words of Balak. And he said to them, Lodge here tonight, and I will bring back word to you. As the Lord speaks to me, so the prince of Moab stayed with Balaam, then God came to Balaam and said, Who are these men with you? So Balaam said to God, Balak the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent me, has sent to me, saying, Look, a people has come out of Egypt, and they cover the face of the earth. Come now and curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to overpower them and drive them out. But we'll stop here for now. So just to give us a little bit of a background of this story, Everybody knows the children of Israel, right? Israelites. It's a lot of them. And at this point, they've been out of Egypt a while, and they are many. In fact, the scripture tells us that when they come, they look like several pieces of sand in the sea. You can't even count them all. And as they were moving around like nomads, they would go from village to village and town to town. Every time they would come, they'd take over. They'd take over in such an intimidating way. So they were in the land of Moab, and this king sees them. And he knows that he doesn't have enough people to fight them. So what does he send instead? He looks for a prophet to hopefully curse them so that they can leave his land. 
and not hurt him. But what we're finding is that um, this prophet named Balaam is not of God. Tell your neighbor, it's not of God. So we're going to skip down. Yes. Um, and we skip down, if we go down to verse 22, we see here that um, then God's anger was aroused. Verse 20. Verse 20, sorry. And, and God came to Balaam at night and said to him, if the men come to call you, rise and go with them. But only the word which I speak to you that you shall, that you shall do. So Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. Then, God, then God's anger was aroused because he went, he went, and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. And he was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. Now the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. So Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back into the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood, and stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on his side and a wall on, the other, on, on that side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. Now the angel of the Lord went further and stood in the narrow place where there, were, there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she laid down under Balaam. So Balaam's anger was aroused, and he struck the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you, that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, Because you have abused me, I wish there were a sword in my hand, for now I will kill you. And at this moment I was thinking, Why did Balaam... Why did it occur to Balaam you're talking to a donkey? Like, that's the trauma of the situation is the donkey spoke to you, is what I thought, but... I mean, at this moment, should I be like, whoa, 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 hold up, whoa, wait a minute. No, but he, he wanted to get buck with the donkey. Yeah, I mean. So the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey and on which you have ridden ever since I became yours to this day? Was I ever disposed to do this to you? And he said, no. Then the angel of the Lord, then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing on the way with his drawn sword in his hand and he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely I would also have killed you by now and let her live. We're going to stop here too. So if we need a title for today's message <laughs> or exhortation. We're going to call today's sermon, The Effects of a Blessing. The Effects of a Blessing. Hallelujah. Um, let me just start it from the beginning quickly so we have an understanding. The Effects of a Blessing. We see here a children that God had already called blessed. Moses actually told God, he said, if you do not go with us, we will not start this journey. If we read the book of Exodus, and God said, okay, I will go with you, and in the day I will be for you a pillar of cloud, and at night I will be for you a pillar of fire. That was the evidence God gave the children of Israel that he was with them. So imagine about three million people walking, and a pillar of cloud, like, almost like a tornado, moving right in front of them. And at night, it will, that pillar of cloud will turn to fire. And it will guide them at night. So they, they, did not need, they did not need headlights. They didn't need torches. They could see during the night. And in the day, 
they had the cloud to cover them from the heat of the sun. So they were a blessed people. Nothing stood against them. Nothing could stand against them. Whosoever came against them, as long as they were right with God, they crushed them. Israelites did not win anybody. They crushed people. They wiped out Amorites. They wiped out civilizations as they moved from Egypt to the promised land. However, we see here now that a king is scared and he's looking for an alternative way. So he decides to employ a prophet who we know is a diviner. Because at this moment in time, only the children of Israel were actually promised new God. So he knew how to communicate with the spiritual realm. So be careful of the prophets you jump to who call you and tell you that they're prophets. But all they do is have access to the spiritual realm to see into the future. But they are not necessarily from God. Finally, we see here that he employs him to do one thing. To speak against the children of Israel. And that just brings me to my, something to my attention. Do you know how important you have to be for people to have to look for a way to take you out? These people were protected. You know, when you are a child of God, when you are a blessed person, Amika said something so powerful. The nighttime, they knew where they were going. The daytime, they had the direction. They had the covering. And sometimes you don't realize that you're living in this bliss of a blessed life, and that enough is a target. That enough sets you up as an opposition in the camp of the enemy. Not because you're doing anything wrong, right? But just because you exist, you're a threat. And that's what was going on with the children of Israel. But there was something that we wanted to bring out today was that though they were heavily protected, the enemy was never truly outside. Where was the enemy, Amika? The enemy for the children of Israel was always inside. If you think about it, the children of Israel, where did they get in trouble? When they married outside right? They intermarried. They always got in trouble because what? You know, Moses was taking too long, right? And they got bored and what did they do? They found idols, right? So we always see that though you may be a blessed person, that does not mean that you're not going to be a tempted person. Though you may be a blessed person does not mean that you may not have in internal issues, right? And sinful nature. A blessed life does not necessarily take you away from a sinful nature, and so we need to understand that these were protected people, but there was a level of protection that God not, could not even protect them from within themselves because they had their human nature. So I want us to reflect on that, that perhaps maybe you've been enjoying the blessings of the Lord in 2021. Things have been going good. You graduated, praise God. You know, you, you, everything has been going well for you, but the affliction that you're dealing with is an internal one. God can protect you from, from the devil, but God cannot protect you from yourself. If God were to protect you from yourself, then he's disobeying his word of giving you decision, free will. So God can send Angel Michael and all the hosts of heaven to fight the enemy, but the one enemy that God will not fight for you is you. We see here the children of Israel. God fought God intervened. There was divine intervention when Balaam was going to show up. But every time the children of Israel were going to mess up, the only divine intervention God did was send a prophet to speak to them. An angel didn't show up. A donkey did not speak. But yes. But you know what's so interesting about this scripture is it also tells us there's a power of the word. That all it takes is a prophetic word. 
for power to be released over a situation. And now we're talking more about spiritual matters. Balaam is not, he's not a prophet of God. Scripture calls him, or, or the, the, what is it, theologians call him a soothsayer, a diviner. He's a false prophet. And that's one thing I really, I make a kind of hunched on it real quick. But we have to understand that there's people that have a likeness of Christianity that, you know, when you call them, it seems like, man, all I have to do is call this person. As soon as I call, you know, they call me back. They know exactly what to say. And that's why I think in this new day and age, we have to be very careful about not spiritually prostituting ourselves around picking and choosing where we're deciding to eat our spiritual meals because the enemy is preparing a meal, one that is not easily, easily digestible, but one that is not profitable for your, flat, for your spirit man, but only for your flesh. Do you understand what we're saying? So be very careful at the tables you're eating spiritually. Be very careful at where you're going. It is so important that in this day and age you have covering. And that's why I think some, and not to, to deviate too much, but I'm seeing a generational problem that we have a big commitment problem. We don't want to be rooted. We want to be blessed, but we don't want to be rooted in a place that will cover and keep our blessing. Right? And so, and so right now, and the enemy knows that. He just is like, all he has to do is just wave a new shiny toy. Boom. Oh, shiny. Let me go here. Oh, this looks good. Let me go here. I don't want to be too cheesy, but the enemy knows that y'all chasing for clout. And you're following the wave of what sounds good, right? And so it's just going to keep depositing. Oh, okay. You know, this is, you know, you just poured your heart out to your friend. You said, oh, I'm really praying about this, this, and this. And what does the enemy do? He sends you a counterfeit message. And you take that message, you run with it. You apply it. You have not prayed about it. You've not confirmed it in the place of spirit. You just take it and run with it. Let's not be a confused people. Let's not be in a generation where we're easily swayed by popular opinions. This thing called Christianity that we're really doing, I'm talking about true spirit-led Christianity is not a popularity contest. There's nothing popular about this thing, but it's highly profitable. Do we understand what we're saying here? And as you're rounding up 2021, I want you to think within yourself. I've been thinking a lot lately within myself that, God, I don't want, I don't want to just catch a wave. I don't want to just live and do certain things because it sounds good. Make it make sense in the spirit realm. Is this your will? And here we see Balaam facing the will of God. So what happened to Balaam? You know, just going off what Yeni just talked about, it's interesting to see that Although God spoke to Balaam, telling him to go with the princess, but God still stopped him and was going to kill him. You see, because God knew where Balaam's heart was. His heart was positioned after money. Be careful from people who honor you. I repeat, be careful from where you get your name sung as a praise. Because God knew that what was driving Balaam was not obedience to him, but whoever had the ability to honor him the most. And God knew that if he got to Balak, whatever Balak has sent with his princes to honor him, Balak was ready to double it. Because if you read that text, Balak asked Balaam, when I sent the princes to call you, why didn't you come? Is it that I could not honor you? 
And because God knew that, that's why he sent an angel to stop Balaam. To ensure that what I told you in the dream, that you actually got it. Only allowed to say what I put in your mouth to say. Let them pay you all they can. If you, de if you decide to deviate because of the money, because of the honor. How many times have you gone to work and they've told you to do X, Y, Z and you know perfectly well that that is not what God sent you there to do. But you decided to do it because what? They are paying you. They are honoring you. Be careful of the motive. And that was what God checked in Balaam's heart. And if we see further down from verse 34 into chapter 23 and chapter 24, that because Balaam had that encounter with the angel of the Lord, no matter how much Balak paid him and persuaded him to curse the children of Israel, he could not curse them. But remember this, this entire scenario that was playing out, the children of Israel did not know what was happening. When the, when, we, when the Bible lets us know that the battles that God is fighting for us, we do not know every single one of it. So don't blame God for that one situation you're going through and you're saying, God, but where were you when this happened? Because there's accountable, uncountable more things that God has done and fought on your behalf that you did not know when it was happening. The children of Israel were just moving. Meanwhile, there was a, an entire contention for the existence that was happening. Imagine if the children of Israel decided to sin against God at that moment in time and God hands off. Balaam would have said, curse them. He would have fulfilled what Balak wanted. And then it would look like, but God does not exist. No, 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 God existed. And God still exists. And he will continue to exist. Continue to exist. The purpose is, or the primary thing is this. You stay consistent. Your consistency my consistency is what determines if the enemy will succeed or not. It's what will determine if the motive and the plans of the enemy will come to pass in your life or my life. Something that we need to know here is that Balaam's obedience had a price tag attached to it. And something you need to think about is that what is your motive behind your obedience? I know, like that's such an uncomfortable question. Is your motive because you're thinking that I'm going to get something more out of this other than God is pleased? Are we understanding here? Because God is pleased should be enough. Like, like if God tells you to do something, the fact that you're doing it, you shouldn't try to think, well, it will make more sense if I attach these, 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 these things so I can get the best out of it. Listen, this is not an invest, like you're not bartering with him. This is not a negotiation, right? But what happened was that, just like Amika said, Balaam, he had, an, he had an alternative motive. He was obeying. But the reason why the donkey had to speak to stop him was because his motive changed. So the thing is, that means that, means that there is a condition to obedience that God cares about. So it's not just the fact that you're acting it out, you're obeying, you have a likeness of obedience, but God also cares about what is the heart thing that is attached to the obedience. Because he doesn't want to get there and get all of a sudden you're puffed up about, yes, you know, God is good. He has done great and mighty things in my life. No, perhaps maybe God was saying, no, no, no. I know you're going to go do this, but your motive is now to go there. Take all the credit. Get financially blessed from this king. 
and walk away and take all the glory. Why is God so worried about glory? Why is he so worried about taking, getting the credit? Have you ever thought about that? Like it's like glory, glory, glory. Why? You're in your position. No one is ever going to take your place. No one can fight you. Perhaps maybe us giving the God the glory is less about him and more about us. And the fact that the more glory we give, the more humility we get. Could it be that there's an inverse blessing to giving God more glory? Could it be that the more glory God gets, the less pride you have? The more glory God gets, the more perspective you have? The more glory God gets, the better your worship is? The more glory God gets, the more clarity you have in the place of prayer? Because when it's less about you, you hear. Many of us don't hear from God anymore because it's all about me. What am I getting out of this prayer session? What am I getting out of this this decision to move, to make this decision to go to this school, make this decision to date this person? What am I getting out of it? But when you focus in on the glory, right, you're honoring the blessed life that you get. You're honoring, you have access to be able to worship freely. So, back to our topic, the effects of a blessing. We see here that if you truly want to have an extraordinary life, you have to walk in the blessing. Psalm 91, a thousand shall fall on my side and 10,000 all around me, but none shall harm me is the effect of a blessed life. When all you do is look and see God pay back the wicked for you and without you lifting an arm, is because it's the effect of a blessed life. Like I said, the children of Israel did not know what was going on. But they were having angelic, the enemies were having angelic encounters. Donkeys speaking on their behalf. Angels showing up. God speaking. So look at your life and my life. You want angelic encounters? You want donkeys to speak for you? You want people who do not know you to favor you? You want to get promotions at work that you not your your qualifications doesn't qualify you for? Walk in the blessing. Walk in what? Walk in what? And walking in the blessing puts, puts responsibility on you to live a consecrated and holy life. You cannot walk in the blessing and decide to live your own life because you did not bless yourself. Every blessing has criteria. The effect of a blessing. Because Israel at this moment walked in the criteria God gave them, nobody can curse them. So when you walk around saying, I'm a blessing of Abraham, nobody can curse me. The question I want to ask you, are you very sure? You cannot be doing one leg in, one leg out and be shouting, no. If you're going to shout and be confident in your God, then be confident in also where you stand in Him. Because if you get the attention of the enemy by shouting, I am blessed, and he decides to face you like he did Job. Just to check the validity of the blessing, right? 
That's what he did to Job. From Job chapter 1, Job chapter 2, to Job chapter 41. That was the enemy testing Job. But the effect of a blessing, because Job refused to do what his wife said, to curse God, he did not die. Because he refused to curse God, the blessing spoke. I am here to tell you and prophesy over someone's life. No matter what you are going through, the blessing will speak. It spoke. In chapter 42, the Bible lets us know that the later end of Job's life was greater than the former. Philippians chapter 2, as we're rounding up here for this portion. Bible says in verse 12, Philippians 2, 12 to 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Bible says it is God that works in you to do this. But what are you supposed to do? You work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Why the disposition of fear and trembling? Because like I've mentioned before, it's so easy for us to get, be, you know, get used to it. Ah, everything is going good for me. Everything is okay. I was speaking to the volunteers yesterday that sometimes you don't understand that when as a child of God, situations in life will come where your house will go on fire spiritually. And when I'm talking about fire, I'm talking about issues. I'm talking about afflictions, problems. Things just start happening. You don't know where it's coming from. And maybe in your life already, you've already started to see those, right? Like, man, it's always something. One thing after the other. Where is this coming from, right? But in the spirit realm, there's a, there's a firefighter. There's a set of firefighters that God will position you around. That despite the amount of fire going on spiritually inside of your home, inside of your life, the fire will be extinguished. But I want you to be very careful. Don't get carried away. Don't isolate yourself and your house is on fire. Nobody's there to fight it for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Position yourself. As we go into this next session, we're going to have the ushers go around and we're, they're going to hand out a few cards. And I want you guys to reflect. There's a few things I want you to do. You want to write down. I want you to just write down, God bless me in 2022, right? But I want you to I want you to add, I want you to look at God. What is it that I? What are my spiritual goals next year? This time next year, what do you want to be? Where is it? Pride that is still a problem in you, right? Is it still challenge? Is it very difficult for you to take things? You know, sometimes pride is something as simple as God does something and you forget to say thank you, right? So it's not always just a disposition that you think it is. But I'm going to have us write down our prayer points, things that we're believing in God for the new year. And we're going to do some corporate prayer to take that. A lot of you, you're in this room, you've just graduated, you're in a very sensitive, vulnerable time in your life. It's very easy to get carried away in a blessed life in this season. I want you to take your, take your case to God that, Lord, I don't want to be carried away. Reflect in this time. Perhaps maybe you've had some unchecked motives like Balaam this year. You've done things out of wrong motivations. Would you take those things into prayer that that's not what I want for 2022? 
as we do that, not everybody can live a blessed life. The children of Israel were God's chosen people. That's why they were the blessed people. So if you're under the sound of our voice this morning and you do not know God as your Lord and Savior, please come on out. No shame. Jesus Christ said, if you are ashamed of me before men, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my heavenly Father. If you do really want to have a relationship with Jesus, this is the time. Please step on out and let us join our hands with you. Join our faith with yours. Don't write a prayer point and expect a blessing if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You genuinely want to know Lord, Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior. This is the hour. This is the moment. That your parents have been taking you to church since you were a child does not mean anything. Take that bold step and step forward. I'm going to count down from 10. 10. Come out and let us join our faith with yours. Nine. Lord, I want to go into the new year with a relationship with you. Eight. Father, I don't want life to continue the same way it has been for me this year. I want a new relation. I want to rededicate my life. This is the hour. Seven. There's something our senior pastor always says. My prayer and your prayer will be on the day of judgment that God will not play this video for you and you see yourself sitting down when you ought to have come out. Six. end this service and tell yourself after all the prayer and all the prophecy and all the blessing nothing happened in my life because the truth is you have no relationship with Jesus so nothing is allowed to happen in your life you can only wish it but there is no power from heaven to back it five
while we're doing that, those who are writing, keep writing your prayer points. Four. If you really want to dedicate and rededicate your life to Christ, this is the moment. Three. Don't clap for other people. Meanwhile, you're supposed to be up here and people clapping for you. Two. Father, I want to know you one-on-one. put our hands together for those who took the bold step. Lord, we pray for these ones. Repeat after me and say, Lord Jesus, thank you for coming as man and dying on the cross for me. Thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for the gift of salvation. I accept your life and I welcome into my heart. Transform me from the inside out that your name will be praised forever in and through my life. In Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I thank you. We thank you for these ones. Father, you have called them into your home. Lord, nothing will send them out again. Lord, we pray for them, for each and every one of them. They will never have a course or a reason in their life to say that they want to rededicate themselves to you again. Father, this will be the last time. Father, from today, they shall continue to climb in realms and depths of knowing you. From one level of anointing to another level of anointing, I call for the gifts within them. I call for the fruits within them. I call for the purpose and the assignment that you have called each of them to fulfill. Father, and I place a seal over their lives that the hand and the plan of the enemy will never come to pass in their lives. Father, from today I decree and I declare that their names will begin to speak for them. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, precious Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Celebrate these ones. Put your hands together for them.
So we're going to take a moment now and, and, and do, um, we, we've just been led by the Spirit for some months now to finish this year. Want to give us a level, level of understanding. The Lord told us a few months ago now, right? That we should do an anointing for, finish, for finishing strong, to finish well. So we're going to just lead by the, by the gift or by the leading of the Holy Spirit today. And what we're going to do is we're first going to ha join our faith with yours. Um, if you're trusting and believing in the Lord for the gift of the Spirit, speaking in tongues before the end of the year, we'll give you an opportunity to do that. But then also we're going to do an anointing. We'll do it as orderly as we can. And this anointing, we don't know what God is trying to prevent. We don't know what he's trying to seal, but we're just going to do it, okay? That we understand. So maybe there's something that you're believing God to still finish in your life. I want you to take this anointing. As Thank you for tuning in to the Gap Church podcast. We hope this message blessed you. If you made that choice to give your life to Christ, congratulations. We celebrate you. Don't forget to text SAVED to 817-382-2244. Again, text SAVED to 817-382-2244. Thank you so much and have a blessed week.